We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land and waterways on which this business takes place and where this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri peoples of the Woi Wurrung language group part of the Kulin Nations. We pay our respects to Wurundjeri elders past, present and emerging. We honour the deep spiritual, cultural and customary connections of the traditional custodians to the landscape and ecology of the land on which this studio is located. We acknowledge that this land was never ceded. Before we get into today's episode about vaccinations, we wanted to come on here quickly and acknowledge that there are specific marginalised groups of people and communities that have been mistreated by the government and the healthcare slash medical system, which has led to understandable hesitancy and mistrust of some government advice and health protocols. Vaccinations is a big topic and in our discussion today, we are unable to touch base on every facet of the subject. The discussion today heavily revolves around our personal relationship with this matter and our process with it. Hello everyone, we are back. It has been quite a few weeks and quite a lot has happened in this time. It's been a wild past month. It really has. (sighs) And I don't know whether to blame myself because... There I was in the last episode on my own being like, yada, 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 Taylor getting sick, got to do this shit on my own, and then next minute, <laughs> I'm in hospital, so yeah. Yeah, my viral infection, which was not COVID, didn't last that long. Mm. Your whole situation, a little longer. Yeah, so Taylor put up that really dramatic Instagram story. Of, it was dramatic at the oh, time. Oh, in the hospital, and I was like, oh my god, that's so embarrassing. And then I did my thing being like, oh, it's really low-key. But actually, it was quite dramatic. It was. <laughs> you had an emergency surgery. Actually, let's do a little FYI. On my personal Instagram, I put up a story saying I'm in bed recovering from butt bracket lift bracket surgery. Which was just a joke to make it more funny, the fact that I had a surgery on my butt, which wasn't at all glamorous. And then the amount of people that I've seen or have asked me on behalf of someone else being like, did I look like a BBL or whatever? I was like, what? When in what world would I get a Brazilian butt lift? One, the recovery time is very long. It's like four to six months. Two, I didn't have the money for that shit. Three, I have a great bum. <laughs> don't like you go quiet there. I was going to say I have a great ass, but I was like, maybe that's not very professional. But whatever, I'm telling you a story anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Are you going to say what actually happened? Yes, okay. So, let's just do a very quick update of what happened. Mm. So, let's say about two months ago, I was skating with my bestie, Katie, roller skating, and then she was like, hey, let's let's switch that up. You can ride mine and I'll use yours. And I was like, oh, cool. She's going to feel really bad about this. <laughs> and then I put hers on and they're like the inline ones and they're really high off the ground and they're so slick and smooth. Whereas mine, like the vintage heavy ones that you like. You have to know. work to roll. Yeah, exactly. And then I put on Katie's and it was just like glide, glide, glide. And then I glid or glowed too much <laughs> and then ended up falling backwards on my butt on the concrete and was like laying on the road with like this empty car park. And like, I thought I was going to die, to be honest. And actually in my head, I was like, Katie, don't call the ambulance because I don't have ambulance cover. <laughs> Which is a good reminder, everyone. Do I get ambulance cover? It's not expensive. It's like $80 a year. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to do this after this. Anyway, lying on the ground, whatever. I eventually get up. It's fine. I could drive myself home. And then for probably about two weeks, it was like pretty painful. Yeah, very painful. But Mm. I could still move around and whatever. Then I had two weeks no pain. So I went back to my running and exercising and yada 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 just like living an active lifestyle again and then the pain came back and I noticed like a lump on my upper left butt cheek 
And I was like, that's my coccyx. I, I must have, in my head, I had broken it a little bit when I fell. And then after I became really active and was running again, that I must have like, in, like made the fracture uh, extend or make it worse or like crack further. And then that had like fully broken my coccyx. That was my thought at the time. Yeah, so for like a week, I was in severe pain, like really, really bad, crying in bed pain, couldn't like roll over properly, hobbling, bent over, like... You could hardly even move. Yeah, I could hardly move. It was pretty dramatic. And then my sister-in-law gave me some anti-inflammatories, which it's so freaking crazy to think that I was in that much pain and my mind didn't even go to, I could take something to help relieve this, which is just wild. Mm. And I, but I, side note, I feel like for some reason I have always been that way and it was never drilled into me that pharmaceuticals are bad, you shouldn't take them. Because I remember in year four, I ran in, like I was playing on the, I was playing at school and someone threw a tennis ball and I turned around so quickly and sprinted and then right behind me was a basketball pole and I like thumped in with my forehead and I had this huge egg on my head like literally the size of a golf ball on my like on my brain like that's some scary shit I feel bad for mum and dad having to see me like that anyway I got home I was in heaps of pain mum had picked me up from school and she was like I think you should take some Panadol or Nurofen or whatever it was for the pain and I was just like no I'm gonna break through (laughs) I don't need the meds I'm strong. <laughs> just like, yeah, I, where did that come I from? I have no idea. I don't know what it was. I was just like this weird little freak child and I don't know where it came from. But anyway, so my mind has never been like, there's a, a way out or like there's something that can suppress this pain and it will actually be better for it. It's just like, well, I'm in pain. I've just got to endure it. Anyway, back to current day. Ended up taking the anti-inflammatories. They helped a bit. But yeah, the pain kept going on. So I ended got up going. Worse. Got worse. I ended up going into the my GP and I was like, I've broken my coccyx bone. Then she pulled down my pant, pressed on the lump, and was like, Does it hurt here? And I was like, Yes, it freaking hurts. <laughs> like, there's a lump that shouldn't be there. Don't touch it. Anyway, she gave me the referral to go get the CT done, and I did it that day. But I wasn't able to get the results back until five days later when I could see her again, and because she had to tell me then. So then we go over the weekend. The weekend was a nightmare. It was just awful. I couldn't sleep and I would be taking my pain medication and anti-inflammatories, but you're only allowed to take a certain amount per amount of hours. So there would always be like a four hour window where the pain would just start coming back. And then by the last two hours, it would be horrendous. And I would just be like crying, just not having a time. Yeah. And Taylor was really good and helpful and did everything for me and was my little nurse, so thanks to you. Okay, so then come Monday, my sister-in-law and Taylor drove me back to my GP so I could be, what are my results? Oh, and that morning I woke up with the top of the wound was like getting pussy and bloody and I was like, oh my God, I've got a bed sore. Well, it, it made sense at the time. You had barely been able to move for five straight days yes and I'd have to lie on the side and I couldn't lying on one side of my body changing to the other side was too painful so I just had to stay on one side so hence I thought I'd developed a bed sore and she was like oh that's not a bed sore she pulled down my pants again and looked at my butt (laughs) and I was like I think you have a really badly infected abscess and you need to go into emergency right now and I was like, oh my god, ew, what abscess? And before <laughs> that, like all the days before that when I'd have people come over and help me out, I was like, I got my broken coccyx. See, I'll lay down and feel my butt. Feel right butt cheek, normal. Feel left one, huge lump. And now when she said I was like so embarrassed because I was like, I've made so many people touch my abscess. It's like very different to feeling a broken bone. It's just that got that ick factor. So then I get into emergency. I was in a really bad way. I felt like I was going to faint. I couldn't sit down because the pain was obviously located to my butt. So they got me into a bed pretty soon, like probably 45 minutes, I think, because they just were like, oh, this girl's not looking good. She's not okay. So then I got wheeled to my bed because I couldn't even walk. And the guy was like, you're walking really slowly. <laughs> I was like, fine, wheel me. Then they 
wheeled me to my emergency bed. We were about to give me a big dose of morphine, but after laying down for a few minutes, I was like, it's okay, don't give me the morphine. I don't want to get addicted. Not that that would happen. <laughs> Again, my mind was like, no, that's too much. <laughs> don't do that. That night, they got me into surgery and they snipped me up, got out the gross, <laughs> got out the gunk and the yuck, and then they didn't sew me back together because they need to leave the wound open so that they don't, you know, close it up with any pus or bacteria still in the wound and that'll just get even worse. They have to leave it open and then pack it and then put betadine on it and then have a bandage on it. So it was like still pretty painful and difficult to move and everything but I was so relieved that it had been sorted out and all of the nurses especially shout out to the nurses they were all incredible and so caring and compassionate and helped me so much and eased a lot of my stress because it was a pretty big deal especially mm. like being wheeled down to theatre I was like, oh my god, this is so intense. And you couldn't have anyone with you because of all the restrictions, so like there was no one to mm. try and make you feel more okay mm. in the hospital. And I had to fast, so I was really hungry. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the worst of it, but I... It's a big deal in our family. <laughs> Everyone's scared of missing a meal. So then, yeah, after that, I just had to keep going to the nurse each day for them to check the wound, repack it, take out the old packing, put on more bedding, etc. And like the first few days of that were really painful, but it's healed up really nicely now. And it's just a scab on my butt and I'm looking great again. So that's really good. Mm. I just have abysmal iron, so I'm tired all the time, mm. but I'm sorting that out and I'm going to get an iron infusion, hopefully very soon. But yeah, quick shout out to my friends and family that either drove me to my appointments, made me food, came over, kept me company, checked in on me, etc., etc. I think you started that by saying, just a quick story. Fuck off. But that's like as quick as it can be. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just love, love the detail. Yeah, well, give the people what they want. Yeah. Actually, this is a good reminder to one, not get too set. Like if you have a, an accumulation of symptoms and you've Googled them and Googled them and there's an answer for it, don't get so set on that because that's what I did. I had all the symptoms of a broken coccyx bone and I just had that fixated in my head when I should have been more open to it being different things and I probably should have gone straight into emergency as soon as the pain was bad. But I was just like, well, there's nothing I can do for a broken bone anyway, so there's no point in me doing anything. Whereas it's like this awful infection that just kept getting worse. Mm. So I would have saved myself a lot of trouble by just going straight into emergency. So that's a good side note. And if something feels wrong or doesn't feel right, just get it checked straight away mm. and deal with it straight away and don't try and brush it off like what I was doing for ages. Yeah. And um, as we both know from being in emergency in the past, like, four weeks, they do a really, really good job. Yeah. And they're, they're incredibly it. thorough and, like, in addition to just making you so much more comfortable. They were all amazing and, yeah, big props to everyone working in the hospitals and in the medical system. Literal angels. Even my nurse that changed, changed, was changing my dressing. Like the sweetest woman alive. Mm. Love her. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I get to see her tomorrow, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so today's conversation is got nothing really to do with that. It's something that we have recorded a few times already, and I'm kind of glad that we're doing it again because we're coming at it from a bit of a different angle and we're not as frustrated by the whole topic of vaccinations, COVID vaccinations, anti-lockdown, anti-vax, all of that stuff that we're all very well aware um, mm. is happening here in Melbourne and across Australia and actually across the whole world. Yeah, so today's conversation will be about our personal journey and process growing up unvaccinated to choosing to become vaccinated mm. in adulthood 
and spending a lot of time and energy, especially over the past two years, seeking out information that is credible, that is by researchers, epidemiologists, scientists, scientists, medical doctors, and how we've come to where we are at now. And as Liz mentioned, I think even chatting about this now in Melbourne, out of lockdown, is much easier to kind of have a conversation rather than say when we were in lockdown yeah and we couldn't open our studio and we're just like waiting for the vaccinations to come and we're now both fully vaccinated so that feels pretty nice Mm. yeah definitely the conversation a month or you know six weeks ago was very different because it's just like this is so frustrating there is an answer can you just get on board Mm. (laughs) think about the community and everything um but yeah, now we've got a bit of perspective. And I think, yeah, us taking a bit of a step back and has allowed us to, I don't know, empathise more with the people that are struggling to be comfortable with getting the vaccination. Mm. And yeah, it's all very circumstantial. So before we begin, we also want to preface that we aren't experts in vaccinations. Neither of us are epidemiologists, immunologists, medical doctors, or public health officials. This does not come up in naturopathy studies as it is not within our scope of practice. This is our personal process with it that we are sharing, and maybe that's interesting to some of you, and maybe that's not for all of you, and that's okay. Great, so let's get into it. I'm really excited to have this conversation today. I think it's definitely an interesting one. And from our perspective, it is probably quite different to a lot of the voices that you hear that are um, encouraging people to get vaccinations because they were most likely raised being vaccinated. So that's already really ingrained in them and they're already so comfortable with it. And it's always been a given, whereas for us, it was being unvaccinated and having that fear around it and then growing older, evolving, studying, and then really coming into ourselves and questioning why we weren't and what the information is around vaccines and why you would get it, etc. Yeah. And we both understand that this conversation can be really difficult to navigate because it is so emotional and it already was pre-pandemic and it is even more so now. But like personally, we are very grateful for over the years, the different people and friends who have been open to starting this conversation with us. For the friends who have been mindful to try and limit like the judgment within the conversation in order to actually allow the discussion to happen. Mm. And one friend in particular, Sophie, who we actually studied with, was probably one of the first people to allow the discussion to begin simply by understanding that she had been vaccinated and she'd had a great upbringing and for us at the time we were like well we haven't been vaccinated and we've also had a great upbringing and have been really healthy but then as we studied as we furthered that discussion and as it got deeper we recognized oh yeah that was because of the country that we live in that's because of the access to medicine if we do need it that's because of privilege and mm. all of this just kind of like yeah it slowly builds up and builds up which in turn means that we were able to create a formed opinion yeah definitely and I remember being younger and kind of had the thought well I'm really healthy and I've always been really healthy and I don't have any health conditions so it's kind of like the what the way that I'm living my life is the perfect way to live your life, which mm. is very um, naive and and it's very as you mentioned earlier, like it's not community focused. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's very uh, self centered. Yeah, and very very personalized, but in a way where it's so personalized that it then becomes quite limiting. Yeah, totally. And that was, I mean, the biggest thing for me in switching up my perspective on of everything was when my bestie Katie was like, the reason that you can get away with being unvaccinated is because you're piggybacking off all the people that are vaccinated and they're creating that herd immunity. 
And the reason why you should be vaccinated is to protect the community and to protect the people who are immune compromised or the people that may not be able to get certain vaccinations for whatever reason that may be. Mm. And that's like such a simple point and it seems so obvious, but I hadn't thought of it like that. And maybe because no one had like slowed down and actually had that conversation or that would be people agreeing with you being like, yeah, you don't want to get vaccinated. You don't want to put these chemicals and shit in your body and like you're just living in your echo chamber or mm. it's people on the other side that I had come across that like, well, you're a fucking idiot for not getting vaccinated. You know how selfish you are and it's just kind of like an attack and you automatically just go into defense mode and just be like, well, this has worked for me so I don't know why this makes me a bad person and everyone else is okay because they have been vaccinated so I don't know where I fully fit into that and I don't see how I have played a negative role in that situation or that outcome. Mm, And even what you just said, like Katie kind of in discussing it with you, she kind of like took you out of of the centre of the discussion, which I reckon is also a way which enables you to actually chat about it because it no longer becomes like this, yeah, personalised attack on you. Mm. And it kind of brings it back to the thing of, communicating without judgment is crucial Mm. in allowing people's thoughts and perspectives and beliefs to evolve and to evolve beyond the echo chamber that they've grown up in because we all to some degree it's like you know the adults that were around when we're kids we're taught that they are correct Mm. And we're not supposed to question them, we're supposed to listen to them. Mm. And then you become a young adult, you enter the world, and to expect that people automatically just switch and are suddenly like, oh, I suddenly now know everything and I... Mm. Well, because there's so many other things when you come into adulthood that you need to start switching, like changing up your perspective or questioning your parents, uh, like the choices that they made for you when you were younger. Like, it's quite overwhelming and I think especially something in the medical realm, it's just got that much more weight to it. Mm. So it is a much bigger learning curve and something to deal with. And, you know, yeah, I can really empathise with people who have been raised in a similar environment to us, whereas maybe indirectly it wasn't, we weren't in a household that was strongly anti-vax and it wasn't shoved down our throats in any way, but there was this inherent distrust around vaccines and that side of the medical scope just because it wasn't familiar to us. Mm. And even as an adult and being like, say, yeah, if it's your parents' decisions for you and you have so much love and respect for your parents, the process of even going through this with being like, I still love and respect you so much and respect you for the decisions that you made to the best of your knowledge at Mm. one time at that time to navigate that to also be like mindful of being like I don't ever want them to think that I feel like they let me down yeah like it's a strange thing that I think it it probably won't quite make sense to people who have grown up vaccinated but like Mm. I think personally I remember being a little bit like but they have done such a great job yeah. at parenting and I don't want them to think that I don't, like, that I acknowledge that. Yeah, acknowledge that and value the amazing upbringing that they allowed us to have. Mm. But then I suppose, again, it's also up to the parent to, you know, put their ego aside and let their children who are now adults come into their own and make their own decisions and and, educate them yeah and educate them and yeah be open to listening to that education and also respect the decision that your child is making like there are things that I did as a teenager that my mum probably wouldn't have been in support of like going on the pill for a few months but I was like yeah I just I know that that's what I feel most comfortable with and I don't want to get pregnant etc and mum had her reservations about the pill and knew the negative side effects but she was like Alyssa that's your decision I trust you and if you feel like that's right for your body then that's what you need to do and it was just it was such an easy conversation Mm. and yeah I think that's really important and I just would really hope that other parents out there are treating their children with that same respect and autonomy over their body and listen to them and don't take it as a personal attack 
try to yeah, like not let ego take you know run its course and feel like it's on you because it actually might not really have anything to do with you mm. and also it's that thing of like you know we all have um, thoughts beliefs and perspectives that over time should evolve new information is shared it is our responsibility to kind of take in what information we can and not remain stagnant mm. in how we live our lives and I think that is like such a a crucial thing with you know parents and grown children and maybe like it's switched a little bit like mm. yeah your child is likely to you know say be like even us studying a bachelor of health science like we learnt things that say our parents wouldn't have known mm. yeah and it's okay for then us to it's kind of like equalizing the teaching mm. within that kind of that, relationship that should happen when yeah. everyone in that family becomes becomes adults mm. and becomes informed of their decisions and actually does research or they are valid in making those points and those decisions and it's coming from a place of education or experience whatever it may be mm. yeah and i think the main point from that conversation that we've been having this conversation that we've been having is that there is so much privilege in australia and there are so many diseases and viruses that aren't a threat to our society because of vaccinations that have been made and because people have taken them in the past but there's still a huge threat to other places in the world where vaccines aren't as readily available and the healthcare system isn't as accessible as ours and I think yeah we just we need to remember that and yet yeah, there are still countries where things like Ebola, polio, rabies will have led to mass death and malnutrition and these awful circumstances because they haven't been vaccinated and because they don't have that access. And yeah, that's a scary thought to think of those places, especially when you can look at the problem and that problem is really avoidable or there is something that can uh, mitigate that. Yeah, and then to think about us living in Australia, which is a very privileged country and has an amazing healthcare system to, to say, oh, I don't really want to get the vaccine because it just doesn't sit right with me or I feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's just, that just feels so wrong. It does. Um, and it doesn't align with our personal values in the slightest. Yeah, well, it's like um, that thing of where we were like, yeah, I'm just not sure about it kind of thing. But then we know if there's any kind of crisis situation, they'll want you to call the ambulance. Yeah, exactly. They'll want you to take them to emergency. They'll know that it will be doctors and nurses that are making sure they're okay. Yeah. And they'll put their trust in them for that time. So how come none of that trust exists now? And how come there's so many people are jumping onto these kind of cult leaders Mm. that are going against everything that professional medicals are saying and going against that advice how come there's suddenly so much trust in this random person who has their janky website who shares their weird facebook no, but posts yeah i was like, about to say it's kind of like the evolution of influence and influencers there are so many great influencers out there and like some in particular, like Kath Ebbs and Abby Chatfield, who've actually been really helpful, I reckon, in... Deconstructing. Deconstructing kind of like conspiracy theories and anti-vax rhetoric and are both people who actually got the AstraZeneca vaccination mm. and they were okay and they shared what had happened and, like, the process and any side effects that they experienced. And I know for like you and I personally, that was really helpful to see, even though they're not medical professionals, but it was like seeing regular people and being like, hey, I did this and this was my experience and it was okay. And which made yeah me feel a lot more comfortable doing it. But then the other end is like, there are other, like, I guess, quote unquote, influences yeah, out the there. The Joe Rogans of the world. Yeah, sorry, don't come at us, Joe Rogan. Um, <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> um there yeah there are other people that have they've tapped in how to 
hook people in, mm-hmm. how to manipulate people, manipulate stir people, the fear, create a following. Most of these people are also making money through this. They either have like wellness courses oh, or they have God. advertisement on their podcasts or they are selling like coaching and like things like that. People are selling like little antidotes or like these like expensive packages. I can't remember exactly what it was. Clementine Ford shared it. And these people making like a thousand bucks per person to help um you know shed the virus and get the virus out of their system and it's like well didn't Pete that doesn't happen have some machine <laughs> or did he buy some machine yeah, as well? And like person there's all these crazy cooked people that are doing oh i think she was just buying into the light therapy bs i don't know yeah well that was the thing like kind of recognizing that it's like a new wave of influences in a way which have figured out how to attract people and it is quite like cult leaders Mm, creating this narrative and are able to like manipulate information yeah. that may have an element of truth, but they've shifted and changed yep. it to fit this narrative and essentially create a false story, but there's maybe tiny little pockets of truth. Yeah. So it's enough for people to be hooked in. And if that is what you are seeing, and if you see that enough times, it's going to subconsciously affect you and you're potentially going to be more drawn or you're going to be targeted even mm. with the pages that you see or the ads that pop up. Yeah. No, on, like they're very clever and, yeah, they take those snippets of true information but they put it out of context. And mm. as soon as it's out of context, it's an invalid point. It's kind of like I was reading something about and like there's a certain amount of people that had a negative aside – or not a negative, but, well, yeah, a negative side effect from the Pfizer vaccine with like the cardiac – stuff and you know inflammation and the number was i think it was 60 people in a week had been admitted to hospital because they had this cardiac inflammation myocarditis and you know that sounds like a lot and it's someone like one is rare two is rare 60 is not rare anymore but it's like the 60 people out of the amount of people that had got the vaccination that week was still 0.0038 percent that's fucking rare like, I don't know what you're expecting. And it's kind of like every time they talk about these numbers and the very small risk of having a side effect from one of the vaccines, it's like 5 million people have died from coronavirus. And I was reading the article and it's like, yes, it's 5 million like um, confirmed, but that number is much more likely to be around 12 million due to different factors. And mm. so... Yeah. And yeah, I guess within that, yeah, not everyone is going to go and get tested or yeah, exactly. And you don't know see um, medical help. Yeah, which countries they may be from, you don't and have access to it. Was it because they had all of these conditions, like previous health conditions, and then it was getting the coronavirus that tipped them over the edge because it's just such put such a pressure on your body mm. that of course, if your health is already declined like that extra like that's huge yeah which is interesting because um a lot of the information that i've heard within anti-vax rhetoric is being like actually this person had diabetes that's what they died from or complications with that and it's like yes that's part of it but yeah as you just said it's the then getting COVID, the Mm. additional strain the pressure that is like that still makes it incredibly relevant exactly and it's them maybe getting COVID from the shot that someone who's just refusing to get vaccinated has then passed on. And mm. actually another podcast that I was listening to was this woman in America and she was didn't want to get the vaccine and she was talking about her grandma and she was saying that her sister had seen her grandma and her sister had COVID, passed it on to her grandma and her grandma died. And it's just like, that was avoidable and I wish I had of like, I wish that wasn't how it played out. Mm, it's also that incredibly unfortunate thing where it's like people are like, well, that's not going to happen to me until it does. Yeah. And, and what, no one is exempt from tragedy yeah. occurring within their family or their friends. Like, yeah. no one has picked you to be more special or to live an easier life than someone else when it comes to that 
Yeah. Like when it comes to disease and like God doesn't think you're better than someone else. Mm. And back on that point, like it's incredibly ableist, that frame of mind thinking, well, you had diabetes, so your fault, you had this condition, your fault, like it was inevitable for you, you needed to look after yourself more. That's Yeah, and why should I have to then do something yeah, to help you? Which it's is like, incredibly wrong. It's like if you don't have any health conditions, thank your lucky stars. Like yeah, do what you can for other people as well. Exactly, because you have you have every capacity to do more for others. Mm. And I guess it's also seeing the disconnect people especially back to again like people on instagram and social media preaching this like community and this love and this kindness Mm. and those words they're lovely but if you don't put that into action they don't Mm. mean anything yeah and it's it's completely fake yeah no i just and that also i know i just keep going off about different podcasts or things i've heard but like that's how we you know do get a lot of our information it's just like as simple as going on to you see abby chatfield the people that are sending her death threats because she is promoting the vaccine or you know encouraging people to get it and you know sharing the points that are very valid and then you have yeah um samantha love and light 101 who's a life coach and just wants to spread love to the world and then, like it's always those accounts that have been like yeah, sending, sending the death threats and being like how much you can pay for this just like all of that so yeah and i mean you see a lot of those such a contradiction yes love and light people um, yeah being <laughs> really awful to people because they use words that don't align with it it's like they can get away with it a lot longer yeah. and you know, we don't know these people personally. We don't hang around with them. So you can't even see the times being like, well, if you're saying all this, like, how come you're not putting that into practice mm. in a really big mm. and also incredibly, like, easy way? Yeah. Like, yeah, the answer's there, the solution's there, the help is there. Mm. You just have to make an appointment. I just, yeah, and I really want to be able to speak to the people who are scared and who have genuine fears around it and are so anxious, just like, but maybe sitting on the fence and feel like they're going to get it or they're going to have to. Like, I don't, I don't know exactly how to get through to you, but I think the, a really big thing would be to go onto your Instagram and stop following everyone who is spreading misinformation and who is talking about the vaccination a lot being really harmful. Like, just get it out of your mind like if you genuinely do want to get the vaccine and know that you will some at some point stop following all those people it's not going to help you follow a bunch of people who share um information from scientists and doctors and yeah focus on that and like people like lauren lately and clementine ford they're often sharing like reputable sources and they talk about it in a way that's really easy to digest and Mm. for someone who isn't a medical professional to be able to understand so that would be my main yeah well I guess it's within that like it's really hard to track down a whole lot of medical professionals but they are both two really useful people in linking you to those people and even like Abby Chatfield on her Instagram like she invited various Mm. researchers and doctors to come on and create like a mini series and answer questions or debunk information so she had actual professionals and it was super like bite-sized information Mm. that is really important because if you're given this whole big wordy transcript of medical talk yeah it's not going to sink in like it needs to be simplified and that doesn't make it less reputable exactly you need to I would just, yeah, advise you to stop seeking out the people who are, you know, sharing that echo chamber of of fear and, you know, distrust. Within the people that you follow or the potential, you know, people sharing anti-vax rhetoric, maybe also look into some of the other information that they're sharing as well. Mm. Because we have both noticed that a lot of anti-vax rhetoric is very intertwined with anti-abortion, transphobic, 
ableist white supremacist white supremacy beliefs as well yeah and you need to really look at that because you you indirectly support all of those things if you support or promote someone sharing one point of view that potentially aligns with yours like that follow on instagram that adds to their reach that adds to potential income it's quite wild how much that has coincided with one another and the amount of middle-aged white boomer politicians Mm. who were sharing this absolutely disturbing belief or information i reckon a lot of them have jumped on the anti-vax bandwagon because they know that that will create following exactly and they can slide in those anti-abortion yep and if you're legislation like if you're sharing the post by this politician go on to their website have a look at their other policies because i've done that and i've seen that they are incredibly hateful toward the lgbtqi community they are against gender fluidity in school-aged children so i mean just have a look at the broader picture and really contemplate what is more important and do you want to be supporting this person Mm. because even as someone who has been vaccinated i would never share or amplify the voice of someone who is also pro-vax but incredibly racist transphobic homophobic etc whatever it is like you need to like look at your values you need to look at the whole picture yeah exactly. and you need to it's like understanding that yeah these people um the anti-vax rhetoric is a really easy thing for them to latch onto mm-hmm. and use to manipulate people and yeah. use to share their really awful ideals 100 and i wonder how many of these people who yeah have latched onto that because they know it'll um, create a large following have gone to get vaccinated because they want to go overseas they want to go to the pub they want to see their friends like mm, yeah you know? yeah all the people who will in the coming months because it no longer suits their agenda and that's when it comes back to that selfish mentality where it's just like are you only going to get vaccinated when you as an individual are the only one that suffers from the implications yeah. of not getting vaccinated like Oh, if are you the person that's going to get vaccinated so you can go across to Bali on your yoga retreat? That's just, oh, I don't want to be judgmental, but that's so fucking embarrassing. It is. Like, think about the community. Think about your grandparents. Think about your nieces and nephews and your nibblings. Your nibblings. Think about the immune compromise. Just stop thinking. Like, just stop thinking about yourself for a second. And it does bring it back to what you said. Like, we understand. If you were exposed to anti-vax misinformation, like it is going to affect your subconscious. It is going to seep in. It is going to create anxiety. It's going to create stress. And this is where, as I said before, it's so important to step away from all of that. And also in stepping away from it, allow yourself to receive like legitimate information and legitimate statistics which are probably going to ease that peace of mind massively. And, yeah, when you're going to get that first vaccination or the second one, you're probably going to be a little bit nervous. But then you'll also have consumed this information that is quite encouraging and really helps to settle those nerves and that anxiety. And speak to your friends. Speak to your friends who have gotten vaccinated. And if you don't have those friends, maybe you can seek it out or go speak to your GP and just be like, I need some reassurance, I need some stats and I need you to be like, you will be okay and Mm. if for some reason you have the vaccine the next day you feel a bit off, go into emergency because then the nurses and doctors will do the test and they'll tell you you're okay and if something is wrong, they will sort you out and they will help you as best they can because that is their job and that is what they're there for and... They want to help you. Yeah, they want to help you. And they're always going to. And the people... The reason why vaccinations were created in the first place were to save millions of lives from avoidable diseases and viruses. Mm, yeah. And I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. And I'm thankful for all of the people who have been vaccinated, especially up until, you know, a few years ago when we hadn't been. So yeah. we're living in this same country. Yeah, thanks a lot for that. That was uh, But, like, it's, you've also got to own it. Like, we yeah. own it, like... 
and I was younger then and I don't want to be so judgmental of myself because I was raised in a certain way and I didn't have to question it just like everything else in my life I was just a kid mm-hmm. so but you know once you step into adulthood you need to take on that responsibility and yeah. you need to become more aware of the world around you and how you fit into society as a member <laughs> and also within that something that may be really helpful if you recognize that you have potentially been exposed to say conspiracy theories or anti-vax rhetoric or a lot of anti-government rhetoric look into where it comes from and i know that that was a really big thing for both Liz and i that we went right back to the beginning in understanding the evolution of conspiracy theories mm. like which groups like created these mm. um theories what agenda they were potentially trying to push within it and even like so much of it is pretty wild like it, a lot of it comes back to history and i remember learning like certain conspiracy theories which related to the kgb which is to do with like the cold war and that mm. fight between the united states of america and the ussr like and it was wild and that stuff is still around today mm. and i'm sorry i can't remember exactly what the conspiracy theory was <laughs> but to be like wow that was like those were war tactics yeah and it has continued to just like be like one of those things where you're like oh yeah i've heard of that and you don't even understand that it's just this made-up story from it's, way back when yeah but if you've heard a little snippet or you've read a little something you're just in the back of your head you might be saying oh that's the truth that did happen which reminds me of a quick little thing I want to talk about mm. is a few weeks ago I saw that photo. I was like scrolling on Facebook. Actually, I wasn't scrolling on Facebook. I don't use Facebook. <laughs> scrolling on Instagram. And I saw that photo that was taken in the early 1900s of these two young children standing side by side. And one of them is just completely covered with smallpox and the other um, kid next to them is completely fine. And then below it, it has, you know, child on the right who has all the smallpox, has not been vaccinated, whereas the other child who is healthy has been vaccinated. And something just clicked in my head when I saw that photo, because it was obviously being like, yeah, this is proof is in the pudding. And I remember that I had seen this image so, so long ago, probably on Facebook at that time, and it was told the other way. So implying that the kid that had been vaccinated broke out in these awful smallpox whilst the kid who relied on natural immunity was completely fine. And seeing that photo would have solidified my thoughts around vaccinations, even though I didn't go deep into it, I didn't click on the image, I didn't research that further and fact check it because you're just scrolling past. And that's where so much of that Facebook, you know, kind of boomer age, Gen X people are getting their information and it's as simple as a scroll. And then it's like, oh shit. Bad. Mm. vaccination bad that's what it equals and you don't even know that you've received the information no, half the time it's, it's just being very subconscious and it, especially if you see an image like say three or four times yep it's like it switches from being something you've seen to fact. truth yeah fact and that use of imagery is so powerful and especially when they're using images of children because you have that instinct to protect these children and you don't want to ever think that that's false because then it makes you a bad person because you're not caring for the child but the Mm. people who are putting these images out they know that they are preying on you because they're really fucking clever yeah manipulative but they're so clever in that and they will get you and they know what will trigger an emotional response in people and then how can that triggered response fit their narrative and drive their narrative and yeah and it's as you just said like the targeting and especially of say middle-aged to older people like these pages know this Mm. facebook knows this yeah they They, know everything about you they see the clicks they continue to feed into that yeah which is also really distressing because it's like this platform and this targeting takes away from that like autonomy of choice of people or takes away that critical thinking and especially when you do think of people who did not grow up with social media with the Mm. internet with all of that to then evolve and learn in such a short amount of time that seeing a picture 
with some words over the top mm. does not mean it is true. Yeah. It's like the disconnect between deciphering whether something is fact or it's simply an opinion mm. that is aimed at manipulating you, yeah. aimed at feeding an agenda and continuing yeah. it. And as we all need to be aware of, the reason why so many of these different um, stories and conspiracies and stuff have just continued to evolve and keep popping up is because you cannot disprove a negative. Mm. These things can't be disproven because they never existed in the first place, so you can't find the actual answer to that. Yeah. I guess the only thing within that is that, say, if someone does share... Um, like an article or like a fact or some info well a fact I say that quote unquote information with you look into the source go right back into it see if it's just some middle-aged person on Facebook that has created this image and posted it like that is where you can even if you can't get all the information you can disprove the credibility of the person sharing the information well yeah you can see where they've what maybe was the original article and how they've put it out of context. But yeah. it's kind of like the QAnon thing. It's it's a false narrative, but it's difficult to disprove because it, it's it doesn't up. exist. <laughs> it's made up. Don't come at me. <laughs> oh, no. um, so I will... Well, we will add this into the show notes, but I think some of the best podcasts, if you do feel like you really need to go back and look at the evolution of conspiracy theories which obviously is not always anti-vax related but i think it's Mm. very useful i think it sets you up with a good frame of mind to go like to receive information yeah and forward yes and some of the best ones were definitely rabbit hole you're wrong about science verse and reply all there are definitely more but we'll include some of these in the show notes for you to have a look through if you would like to. Yeah, and some of those Instagrams that I've been talking about, especially Lauren Lately and, you know, Clem Ford. I mean, she has a lot of other content in there, so I feel like Lauren Lately is, like, pretty heavily on the uh, disproving those, just (laughs) fact-checking. Yeah. An additional thing which may not have been prevalent in all people's families or upbringings, but I reckon everyone has heard the false information that vaccinations cause autism. Mm. This is incredibly contentious and also, especially as an adult, reading this information, the ableism that comes into this is disgusting. disturbing. Mm. But I wanted to just share with you how this theory or this belief got spread and where it actually originated. So I had a look into it. And this was hypothesized by Andrew Wakefield, a researcher and medical doctor. Yeah. And he hypothesized that inflammation identified in the digestive tract, which was present in children with autism, was caused by vaccinations, namely the MMR vaccination, which is measles, mumps, rubella. So he jumped from digestive inflammation, must be due to the vaccination. Mm. I don't know how someone gets from there to there when there are so many other factors. You're not taking into diet, stress, mood, lifestyle, everything. He has literally jumped from there to there, which is wild to me. That's the correlation does not equate to causation. I remember our housemate actually telling us that, say, in 2008, this is made up now, but in 2008, the rise of divorce increased. At the same time, people ate more margarine. Those two facts may correlate, but there is no causation between those two. And I feel like that is a really like simple, and it sounds really silly, I know, but a simple way to be like, you can't put these two things together and think that they are automatically related. That is not okay, especially from a professional. And Andrew Wakefield also is someone who had a great media presence and was very charming, which I think you should be aware of because there is the potential that this person wanted a following. Mm. And in order to gain that following, kind of like, yeah, that media following in particular, they needed to say something or share something that was super controversial or hadn't been spoken about before. Mm. 
he wanted to be groundbreaking, but at the expense of so many people's yeah, he, lives. He wanted that wow factor and in order to elevate himself. Yeah, and also within that, the information that Wakefield shared was accessible through a medical journal for 12 years. An incredible medical journal. His medical license was not stripped until 12 years later, so that information was available for people to see from 1998 to 2010 in what Lister said, a credible medical journal. Yeah, this awful thing that he hypothesised and then made out to be fact was the driving factor of so many different YouTube series about vaccinations and autism that, you know, target parents and um, people that have young children. And it's, you know, I've seen, I've seen a book called, like, The Truth About Autism and Vaccinations. Like, there's just so much out mm. there about it. But where is, the, where is the information that this was completely false? I know. And also just, like, as we mentioned just before, getting to this topic... Like, the ableism involved in that. Saying it as if it is the worst thing. Yeah. Which is so awful and so disrespectful to all people who are on the autism spectrum. It's just so disgusting. I think really take a good look at these theories, these ideas, where they've come from, who created them, and what they're deeply rooted in. And I think that's just really important. If you're in such passionate support of an idea of a story of a single person whatever they might be sharing look deeper look below mm. the surface yeah you do your research <laughs> and by research don't just google it don't just look for the words don't look for the information that you are hoping to find don't look on facebook don't yeah. speak to your conspiracy friends no it's not going to be helpful Anyway, we've been talking for a long time and I feel like I've also barely touched the surface. I know. And there's still a lot more to discuss and there are so many points that we would have missed. But that's why we would recommend to look at different podcasts and people on Instagram who would share a lot of this important information. Yeah, people who are elevating researchers and medical professionals and giving you information that is digestible but also... Definitely. And we'll put those links and all of that information in the show notes so that you can easily find it. And shout out to Katie who created this amazing playlist for us to listen to that had a lot of these podcasts. And also, you know, shout out to Sophie having those conversations ages ago. Shout out to Katie for really encouraging me to change up my point. Not even to, no, wasn't encouraging me to change my point of view it was encouraging me to really think about and understand the impact that I was having from the choices that I was making which has led to a huge evolution and a lot of growth and a lot of understanding and a lot of looking inwards and seeing how my decisions impact the world that you know I'm still one little person but the impact is still big yeah and also let's not forget Shout out to ourselves for being open to taking in a lot of information that mm. contradicted what we had subconsciously been fed. Yeah. And like that was that was hard at times. Definitely. But I was like, no, nah, I really need to do this. So like yeah. and shout out to us and everyone else who has gone through that process. It is Definitely. massive. And I totally acknowledge that I have said some really misinformed things in the past when I was a teenager, early 20s. Mm, I acknowledge that. <laughs> and I'm telling you now that I was wrong and I'm grateful for moving forward and learning and evolving. But yeah, I own that. And I yeah. own that I had harmful thoughts on certain topics. Harmful beliefs. Harmful beliefs on certain topics. Yeah, it was good to reevaluate everything and actually see oh wait, this way of thinking or this idea that I have doesn't align with any of my values or beliefs or what I pride myself on being, you mm. know? Yeah. Yeah, well, it comes back to that thing where like, well, words are empty without action and both exactly. you and I went through the whole process of being like, yep, actually this doesn't align with who we are today, who we are with our informed opinions. So that means our actions subsequently need to change. 
And they did, and here we are. <laughs> Pro vaxxed. Double vaxxed? Yeah. And I mean, I love being double vaxxed. I can go to the pub with my <laughs> friends. I can have lots of people over for dinner. I could fly somewhere if I wanted to. I can know that I'm helping everyone around yeah, me. Yeah, more importantly, <laughs> all of those things. These are just like the nice little benefits. But honestly, being able to live life and enjoy life and be excited for things and be able to look forward to things because everyone or a massive percentage of people have done their bit is yep. pretty bloody lovely. Yeah, go all of you people. Yeah. You're the MVPs. Yeah. We're the MVPs. We're all MVPs. Yeah. Woo. And if you know you still need some more help and support, go seek it out. Mm. Do the work. Yeah. Find more sources. Make it happen. Yeah. It's your responsibility. People you have the choice. Yeah. <laughs> People want to help. Yeah, people do. Anyway, yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. All right, I think that's it. Sorry, it took a while to get this episode out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you got this far, kudos to you, and we will speak to you next week. Yeah, we will. Okay, bye. Bye.